Well, hey you, hello there, every person everywhere. Well, hello there, all of you beautiful individuals of the world. My name is Lynn. I am your host for Every Person Everywhere. And this is Stuff You Can Relate To. So, have you ever been so taken back by the immense beauty of something that you struggle to find words? Well, if you haven't, I once again implore you to go to Iceland. Our first three hours in the country involved driving to and getting settled at our Airbnb. When we got to the Airbnb in Akranes itself, we were lost for words because the lady who ran the Airbnb was out of the country in her homeland of Scotland with her husband, who was Icelandic. Um, And her son was sound asleep in the upstairs rooms so i did not meet him until much later the same day if not the next day i do actually forget at this point in time all three of those individuals are still very close friends of mine to this day as well as one of the other housemates that stayed there and a guy named james who went there on a whim and ended up refusing to come back to the united states from topeka kansas I will get to him in a little bit. I still have a lot of good friends in Iceland just from hanging around the house and hanging out in general. And it was nice. So, where do I begin telling you guys about my drive from Keflavik Airport? right outside of Reykjanesberg, all the way up the coast, past and through Reykjavik, around the scenic route of the coast, to Akranes. Because there is a bridge that links Reykjavik and Akranes. It's much cheaper if you commute daily. A lot of people work in Reykjavik um, from all lengths of the country. And a lot of people commute that tunnel every single day. It's one of the most highly trafficked tunnels in all of Europe. I think the highest behind it, or in front of it rather, being the channel that leads between France and England. Very, very popular tunnel it is. So, we didn't know if they took cash, credit card, whatever, and we didn't have any Icelandic kroner on us at this point in time. We didn't have a chance to stop by the Instacart, which is the ATM system, to grab some money. So we opted for the scenic route our first day. Now, did I mention that Norther og Nidr means north and down, and it's also slang for go to hell, very interestingly enough, because you go north towards the North Pole and back down into Reykjavik for this little festival that Sigurvos put on with a lot of other good musicians, including Jonzi's then partner, Alex Somers, Kevin Shields, formerly of my bloody valentine, Oliver Arnolds, the Islenska Belkorten, so the Icelandic bell choir, who, interestingly enough, knew exactly where I was from because they took a field trip to Hershey, Pennsylvania to buy all the handbells they used for their bell choir. So 
Needless to say, that blew my brains right out of my skull. They knew where I, of all people in the world, was from. At this concert, the same night that we arrived, I would also be very sleepy because jet lag, and also Sigaros has very trance-inducing music. But the people right behind me would also become very close friends of mine, who I still will visit at the time of this recording to their hometown in Portland, Oregon. It was on this trip that they would also get engaged and then come back a year later to get married. It would be one of five trips they've taken to Iceland since, and I'm honestly extremely jealous of them. Then again, their mutual favorite bands were Björk, The Sugar Cubes, Mammut, who also performed at the festival, but it cost extra to see all of those, so I didn't. And of course, their favorite band of all time being Sigur Rós, to this day. But before we even get to Harpa Hall in Reykjavik, before we even get to the bridge, before we even get to the Airbnb, where I would party my arse off New Year's Eve, do lots of stupid things for the first time in my life, try some Icelandic cuisine for the first time in my life, and meet some of the friendliest people I've ever met who are still close friends of mine to this day, I have to tell you about the drive. We drove through the dark because in Iceland in December, the sun doesn't come up until about 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning. It then says, I'm done with this, bye, and leaves the sky promptly around 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So, no sooner do we get there and start taking our nap because jet lag and pain and suffering, and also we were going to be up until at least midnight going to getting home from the concert itself. We slept through the entire daylight period without realizing it. We got to the Airbnb probably around sunrise, and we woke up right at sundown. So, we were in a period of eternal darkness. Yeah. The sun started rising about 25 to 30 minutes into our drive from the airport. Very flat, this part. Very nicely paved. It wasn't inland, so it wasn't very snowy or icy at this part of the travel. That would come later. You look on one side, and there's a small field and some fences followed by the Atlantic and the Arctic Ocean combined. You would see ice flows in the distance right outside of Akranes and Reykjavik at this time of year. Just random miniature glaciers, just chilling, just floating along. Plenty of icebergs, we saw those, yup, yup, yup. You turn to your right, boom! Nothing but massive mountain faces. And mountain faces that look like they belong on Mars. As tall as Vesuvius. Everywhere you look. It was mountains and ocean. And a small few shrubs. And cabbage patches. And potato patches. And the few things that actually grew up there. And farmers rarely contained their land. They just kind of grew stuff wherever they wanted to. Icelandic moss all over the countryside. Icelandic thyme and herbs and spices and onions and leeks all over the countryside. See, this was a very stodgy, hardy land. And Flokelander, up in the north near Isafjörður, where Floki had landed some years prior to establish the first colony, then revisited by Lif Eriksson and Eric the Red and his forerunners, 
they brought a couple things with them that became geographically isolated, such as their horses and their sheep and their lamb, which would they, we would, they would eventually come to live off of. Very stodgy diet, very hearty. Lots of fish, lots of eating, literally whatever you can find. So yes, that involves cute little puffins. That involves eating the horses after the horses can no longer be ridden. That means eating the few cows they have. Lots of sheep and lamb for every single meal. Lots of whales for every single meal. And of course, you have the traditional food that they eat at Thorblo, like Hadfisker, which is salted fish jerky. Very good, actually. Very acquired taste for many. Plokfisker, which is potatoes and graved fish. You have Gravlux, which is graved salmon. You have smoked salmon foods. And then, of course, you have classics such as Sviedesalta, which is ram's head paste. They literally cut the head off of a ram and they smoke it for an entire season with some spices, herbs, and berries, and then give it back to you. And Haukarl, which is fermented fish, which lays in basically a urine-filled ammonium nitrate-dense ditch for six months. It kept them alive. Some of the worst things that my friends have ever eaten. It was one that I didn't have to eat because I smelt it and it was disgusting. The Sphere de Salta, I had the misfortune of trying. And um, that was physically painful. I didn't have it in my mouth long enough before I felt the texture and immediately ejected it. And probably a little bit of acid reflux vomit with it. Lots of Icelandic candy, lots and lots of licorices in Scandinavia. And of course, the more manageable foods being the rye bread and the skish, and skish being sort of an Icelandic cottage cheese type yogurt. It's mostly, it's more so cheese than it is yogurt, but I digress. Lots of salads and lots of other random small things, very meat heavy, lots of potatoes and starches, lickenberry jam, elderberry jam, Lots of arctic thyme used for a great many things, which I still use in my cooking to this day. I digress. The food, the beautiful people, the tourism, everything was amazing. My initial impressions of the countryside, I fell in love. The city felt more like a village. People talked to each other. Now, if you weren't Icelandic and you were somewhere else from America, Norway, Sweden, wherever, it was different. It was very different, you see. But they were family. They were community. And that's what I still remember to this day. Everywhere in this place felt just like home. Now, if there's any one thing I would advise against going to Iceland over is if you have a strapped pocketbook. I had to withdraw out of emergency savings to stay alive here because it is easily one of the most expensive countries in the world to live in. I mean, it makes sense. They rely a lot on imports for a good many things. For instance, when I took my first grocery shop in the store, Lots of local mushrooms, potatoes, cabbage, and otherwise very cheap. You want anything imported from Europe or America? Not happening. I just wanted to eat peanut butter salad. 
uh, peanut butter jelly sandwiches for lunch. Peanut butter and Nutella were upwards of $10 per container. Now, obviously, most Europeans don't really do peanut butter. In fact, a peanut butter jelly sandwich is an almost exclusively American invention. Putting something savory and something sweet together is almost exclusively an American invention. The only time you do that otherwise is if you have a few extra bites of dinner left when your dessert comes. Otherwise, the two are very rarely mixed in most world cuisines, except America, so I learned. A simple kiklinga wrap or chicken salad sandwich slash wrap cost upwards of $7. The average cost of lunch, probably 12. We ate out dinner exactly twice, and each time, each person, each eating the vegan option, was still about $30 per person. You wanted to have a beer with your boys? We're talking $8 per beer. But it was worth it. We got to try Icelandic street food. I still ate a little bit of meat, like I said, at that point in time, so I got to try the Bester Kilsish. And you have to get Inam et Achlish, which means a hot dog with everything on it. And they have crispy onions, they have their signature sauces, they have relish everything. It is one of the only places in the world and the only hot dog stand in all of Europe, specifically, where you can get a hot dog that is half pork and half lamb. Now, even though I will not eat them now for very obvious reasons, being mostly vegan myself, it was delicious. There wasn't a single bad thing there. To have Icelandic street food in the streets of Iceland, to enjoy their candy and sweets, and enjoy their culture, was quite an experience I'll never forget. We went to the concert that night. We had some falafel salad and bread and soup, all vegan. We saw Sikoros perform in all their glory. I lost my damn mind again. There was not a single part of this trip to not love, and we had only been there for about 20 hours. So that night, we would sleep a lot. And we would wake up the next day, and we would just start exploring stuff. And we would go, and we would do whatever we could to see as much as we could. I honestly, at this point in time, do not remember the exact order in which we did everything we did. But I will do my best to recount all of it in sequence. Starting with meeting the people of Akranes and then traveling up to Snaifetjökull, the journey to the center of the earth. And to this I now add my sacred and beautiful silence.